Thank you for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed today's service. God is using the ministry of Lakeside to make a difference in many people's lives, and we have heard numerous stories of life change. If God has used the ministry of Lakeside to make a difference in your life, we would love to hear your story. Please email us at amen at lakesidechurch.ca. Amen. God is obviously at work in your church family. He's at work in your city. And you are a beautiful example of what it means to join God on his mission to redeem the world. My name is Philip Serez. Thank you for the introduction. I've just hopped over from Kitchener, Waterloo, living there for the last 13 years, grew up in Toronto, lived for a number of years in California. But I've had the privilege of working with MB Mission, the Mennonite Brethren Church, in, and, a, and the much bigger church, in calling them and training them in ministry and in mission, and sending young adults around the world, carrying the love of God, and partnering with the local church in places like Mongolia and, and, and other works in Tibet and South India. And God is at work in incredible ways, and we want to share a few of those stories this morning. Because when we, see, when we see God at work in our own church, but especially in the millions of churches worldwide, we get a clearer perspective of God's heart. We get a clear image of who he is and what he's doing in this world. And then it begs the question, how am I going to join him? So, every, so I'm regularly challenged with this question. How am I going to join him? Is God doing something in our world today that's bigger than we have imagined? Recently, I was on the Syrian border on the Turkish side, and we are working with a, a, a Turkish woman, a Turkish pastor, who is reaching out to the millions of refugees crossing, or the thousands and thousands of ref, refugees crossing the border. This is a Turkish church, Christian church. And some refugees fly to Sweden on their personal jet. Some live in the mud just across the line and work for a dollar a day picking carrots or something else. And this woman said, we've got to make a difference. And so she entered into their space and started a huge relief program, bringing food and clothing and collecting um, all the needs and coming, going camp by camp or mud hut by mud hut and, and, or tent and and distributing resources. And then they decided to do something for the children because the children, their whole life has changed. They're experiencing war and it's traumatic. And so they brought markers and pens and, uh, and they said, go home and draw. Draw balloons, draw pictures, draw sunshine. And they came out that, back that afternoon and saw what the children drew, the things that were most fresh on their memory about how the tanks came into their town in Aleppo and how the bombs collapsed the roof and how it tipped over the fire and how their brother was burned. And we're like, oh my goodness. And then we noticed that there was another girl, another little boy who wasn't showing his picture. And his mom said, it's nothing. And we said, well, we'd love to see your picture too. And uh, it, the boy pulled out this piece of paper Next slide. Oh, I'm working the slides. <laughs> and he drew that picture. And Elmas, the leader, said, well, what's your picture of? And she said, I don't know. He said, I don't know. 
It's a picture of the man who will stop all war. It's, I, it's a, just, a, just a picture. It's a picture of the man who will stop all war. And he drew this picture, and, and we talked with the family. They had no knowledge of the scriptures. And God reached into the farthest place in this world, into the heart of a boy, a 7- or 12-year-old boy, and gave him an image of a man who will bring peace so the roof doesn't have to collapse anymore. And so you can, the whole family can be together. The man who will stop all war. If God is reaching into the dreams and thoughts of people all around the world, should we not join him? If it's as important for him to cross all those lines, is he inviting us to join him? God is doing more than you and I could ever imagine. And this is the challenge of the church right since the New Testament to wrap our hearts and minds around what God is doing in this world. Right early on with Peter and the disciples in Acts chapter 1, um, so the apostles, they were meeting with Jesus. This is after his resurrection. They kept asking him, Lord, is this the time for you to come and free Israel and restore our kingdom? See, the disciples thought they understood what more was all about because they've been waiting for him to put them at the top of the game and them at the center of the world and them to be, hold the power and the privilege in society. And, and after all, he's risen from the dead. So this is the time when we overthrow those Romans. And with a twinkle in his eye, Jesus said, no, I'm doing a whole lot more. And he said, next slide, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm doing so much more than Jerusalem. I'm going out from Jerusalem. So these, this is a, a huge paradigm shift for the Jewish people, for Israel. They believed Jesus was the, they believed Jerusalem was the center, and the whole world would come to Jerusalem. And a complete paradigm shift is what he's trying to work into the apostles and disciples. He says, "No, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to the ends of the world. Because there's a hurting world out there that I want to reach. And we understand this. Next slide. Because the world is damaged by evil. We're going to stay on these slides for a bit. We had James Chung from InterVarsity did a beautiful picture of what in the world God is doing. What's his big plan, and how can we join him? And we'll all agree how our relationships are divided, and our marriages can be broken, and society is really difficult at times, and our world is even crumbling apart. And inside of us, we have a longing for a better world, because we know it was designed for good. The world is designed for good, and that's our inner longing that wars would cease and that marriages would be reconciled and that children and teenagers would, would leave addictions. And God didn't choose us to leave us in a damaged world damaged by evil, but he chose to enter into our world and restore us for better. That Jesus himself took the penalty and burden of our sin and began to heal us from all the evil that we've experienced in this world. 
And I leave this image in front of you because the majority of the church often lives in this realm that we know how cozy it is with Jesus in our churches, and we know the difficult life that he saved us from, and we know that one day in the past he had a dream for good. But this is not the end of the story. There's more. If you're living a three-scene Christian life, you're missing out on the finale. You're missing out on the best scene. Because it's not just about God rescuing us and saving us from our sin. It's not just God healing us and restoring us for better. But we are called and sent out back into the world for him to redeem all societies one person at a time. Sent together to heal. And from the beginning, God Um, is inviting us to go be healed and to be sent. And is this missional paradigm of discipleship your vision for your life? How are you and I going to join this movement of God's people who are sent together to heal? For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Guelph, in Judea, across Canada, in Samaria some of the people you don't like, and to the ends of the earth. And he is calling us to so much more. And will will we join him? So I want to share a few more scriptures and a few more stories so that we can get a glimpse into God's heart. Can we maybe get a glimpse into his strategy and what he's scheming and maybe get a glimpse into the invitation that he has for us. Because he said to those apostles, you're asking the wrong question. And often we're guilty of asking the wrong question. The question of what more, God, can you do for me? And he responds with a twinkle in his eye and says, I'm doing more than you can imagine. And I'm inviting you to join me. Will our prayers start to shift? Will our investment of our resources start to shift? Will we begin to align our lives to the more that he is inviting us to outside of our worlds? So I had the privilege of rallying on the, um, rallying again along the, this part of the world Uh, both in southern Turkey and in northern Iraq. I've been participating in this thing we call leadership camps, peace camps. Can you imagine a gathering of 150 people, of which um, 100 of them are Syrian and uh, Turkish, uh, going back. 100 of them are Syrian and Turkish. uh, And around 35 of them or 20 of them are are Christians. And it's a Muslim Christian gathering. It's a Syrian, Turk, and uh, Canadian and American and Australian gathering. It is a gathering of um, uh, three languages as we work with translation of Arabic, Turkish, and and, um, English. And it is a place where God is building community and uh, reaching out to people who need the love of God in incredible ways. So here's a little clip of this last uh, summer. My name is Hamid from Syria Homes. I'm Hidizar. I'm from Turkey. 
My name is Suhi and uh, I'm from Aleppo. I'm from Damascus, Syria. Sarah Najibe. I am from Damascus. Kamil, and I'm from Syria, from Aleppo. Jade, and I'm from the UK, and I live in Australia. I think peace is possible together. <laughs> and everyone can be a peacemaker like me. <laughs> yeah. One of them Syrian, the other um, United Kingdom. And we shared life together for a week. And I absolutely fell in love with those girls. And it was such a special time. I think that I was uh, alone and I feel alone. But here, uh, I feel uh, I have a big family here. I traveled last year from Damascus city. So I haven't seen my family from one year and a half. But when I came to BL for b this week, I'm very happy to be, to be with you because you are my family. You know, in Syria, we have this Friday night. Like we, all my uncles and my cousins, we go to my grandma place. This is one of the most things I miss in Aleppo. But uh, here it was like every Friday night in grandma place for me, like every day was Friday night for me. Sometimes we can be apprehensive um, about mixing with people different from ourselves. But I think that from being part of BL4P, I've just seen how much beauty there is in other cultures that we don't usually get an opportunity to experience. You just opened not just our eye, you opened our heart. When you said it's uh, it's okay to talk about yourself. You set me free. And I will teach my children in my home and in my work. Uh, you can uh, forgive whenever you want. You can ask help whenever you want. You will not be free if you still hide and keep things in uh, your heart. Talk, talk. When I came here the first time, I, I thought that I can do it all of my, by myself. I have learned collaboration to solve all your problems in a peaceful way. And that's what I'm doing right now. I am learning about peace to just spread it everywhere. We didn't feel f uh, afraid of talking our own language or Turkish language or English language. All, all everybody was included. We have a family here, and I hope, really, don't be afraid. I hope the whole world be PL4P. I'm sorry, but they have to uh, experience why I, what I have it here. This camp br uh, brought me family. I cannot say anything than this. Like, this, is, this can summarize the whole thing. When I first got in, say, wow, this is the most peaceful place I've ever seen. Like, I want to live here.
is the father to the fatherless. He's the defender of widows. This is our God whose place is holy. And God places the lonely into families. And he sets prisoners free and gives them joy. We're learning in a fresh way that the world is longing for belonging. That individuals are suffering from being disconnected. That war and famine are um, separating people. And there's a desperate need for family. And God places the lonely into families. We're learning that building community among vulnerable people is our first step as the kingdom of God. And sharing the love of Jesus with beautiful people who respond to him through the way the love of God shines through our lives. Because God is the father to the fatherless, and he puts lonely, the lonely, into families. Who in your world is lonely? Who down your street needs belonging? Who in your workplace actually needs belonging? They don't need a track. They actually don't first need the gospel story explained to them. They need a place to belong. They need a dinner table to eat at. They need a Sunday afternoon of playing sports uh, with your kids. Do, Do we engage God's heart? Do we engage the ministry of creating belonging for people and allowing that fertile place to nurture their heart in the good news of the gospel? We're going to get a glimpse of God's heart. We're going to get a glimpse of the people who are alone and need belonging. And if we're going to join him, we're going to invite them into our lives. Peter wrestled with this because he was in a different paradigm. And I'm afraid we're still in this paradigm where we think the world should come to us or they should come into our church building or they should, um, we just got the good goods and, and if you want the good goods, we'll give it to you. But... Um, Peter had a dream. Peter had a a vision. It was actually a trance, the Bible says, where God talked to him, and and he let down this huge sheet with all these animals in it, and God said, take and eat, which went against all his Jewish code, all their laws. Do not eat things that are unclean. And so he thought he was responding to, to God rightly and said, Lord, I've never touched unclean things. I'm a good Jew. And he, and, and God said, take and eat. I'm actually dismantling this ethnocentric um, world that you've been living in. And I'm calling you to take out, take the love of God out to those places. Peter told them. Um, so then later, Peter went with Cornelius' house and said, you know, it's against our laws to even be in a Gentile home. But God has showed me that I can no longer think of anyone who is, who is pure and unclean. And then later, Peter said, I see very clearly now that God shows no favoritism in every nation. He accepts those who fear him and does what's right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel. So what nation is out of bounds for you? What ethnicity, what people group, what socio-demographic are the ones that you shut out? Because God, Peter just learned that God shows no favoritism. And he wants to reach out to the whole world with his good news. And yet we struggle with cultural pride. We struggle with ethnocentricity. We struggle um, with religious pride. 
And it limits our love, and it limits God's love flowing through us. And he invites us to repent of those barriers to his love. We learn these things on when we, when we take a risk, and we um, don't let our fear and our pride control us. But recently, um, we went to northern Iraq. Northern Iraq, where we gathered 35 Yazidi young adults. If you know anything about the Yazidi people, they've been slaughtered by ISIS. They've been targeted by Saddam Hussein. They're a non-Muslim people group living in Iraq, and the rest of Iraq wants to purge them out from their land. You may have heard the, 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 the genocide um, the genocides in, in the city of Shindar, and they're all held up in a mountain. And we actually gathered with uh, these people who were under siege, dying in the heat uh, four years ago. We gathered with them to hear their stories, to uh, process their pain, and to, to introduce them to a God of love. We had the audacity to talk about peace because we follow the Prince of Peace. We had the, we had the, the passion to share God's heart, God's heart for them for forgiveness and reconciliation and what it means to be a leader of peace instead of a leader in power. And they started responding beautifully to the belonging and to the community. We had a talent show one night um, and had a little fun as people told jokes and did their skits and different culture talent shows are a real blast if you've ever experienced one. Um, but at one point, this gentleman said, I have a talent and it's not funny. And he shares a passionate story of his friend's sister who was just abducted by the extremist group in the area and who was being sold to slavery and is undoubtedly, undoubtedly being terribly abused and they're calling for a ransom. And so he shares the journey of, of this um, young woman, and he's weeping from the front, and he says, what are you going to do about it? And we're like, in shock. And uh, we said, we know the first thing we can do is pray. And so we gathered, we said, would it be okay if we pray to our God for you? And so we gathered with this young, around this young man and just prayed the heart of God for him. It's probably the first time he's met a Christian and he was surrounded by people who risk going to that part of the world to share the love of Jesus with him. And we called out to God in intercession and we spoke truth into their lives that they're not forgotten. And soon another person said, I said actually, is there anyone else who has lost family members to ISIS? And nearly the entire group, nearly the entire group walked forward. And we gathered around them and wept with them because they're family. And the love of God reaches out to them, to the vulnerable and the hurting. And amazingly, the one Iraqi young man um, that was with us uh, stood up and said, I'm Iraqi and I want to ask your forgiveness for the, work, the deeds of my people in these recent decades. And Iraqi and a Yazidi young man hugged and cried together because they encountered the love and peace and forgiveness of God through the people of God in their midst. Because someone risked going to the furthest, hardest places to find the most vulnerable people where there is no light of the gospel. And to be that light, 
that's so much brighter when it's so much darker. And there's such a hunger and thirst for the good news that we gorge on every Sunday. Who will bring the love of God across racial barriers, across geographical barriers, across political lines, across uh, into danger zones? Because this is what we do. This is what we Christians do as Jesus was challenging his disciples, as God was challenging Peter. This is what we do. In the midst of that emotional time, some guy was able to grab a board and scribble, figure out his English and scribble a saying on it and Jamal just held up this, this board over our room in the midst of this prayer time. This Yazidi young man and said, dear Christians who've come from long distances away to plant peace flowers in our land, we do welcome you into this land. We like sharing thoughts with you, and you are a piece of us now, and we are a piece of you. If that's not an invitation from the Lord, I don't know what is. If that's not a window into his heart, I don't know what is. If this doesn't shake us from a paradigm of God just being there to serve us and to give us more, I don't know what does. And if this doesn't capture our curiosity and our vision and our passion to join God in the amazing things that he's doing, both here and around the world, is this what he's doing for you and me? So Peter was on this journey for a while. If you remember, after Jesus rose from the dead, he met up with the disciples along the beach. And uh, he fed them breakfast. They'd been fishing all night. didn't work out too well. He had fish on the barbecue. He knew what they needed. And he sat down with them and talked to them, reminded them about the mission. He sat down with them and called them back to the game. He sat down with them and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Peter's like, yeah, yeah, of course I love you. Why do you keep asking me this question? He asked it three times. Do you love me more than these? Well, what were the these? Do you love me more than these people? Do you love me more than these fishing nets? Do you love me? What do you, what's getting in the way of our love for God? Because what gets in our way for our love for God gets in the way of us joining his mission. Because joining his mission is an act of love and surrender. Do you love me more than these? Is this what the Lord is asking us this morning? As we reflect on, on this question and when we reflect on these truths and as we worship, I invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. What is he pointing at with that question? Do you love me more than these? And how we, can we respond to that so we can join him in his mission? No eye has seen No ear has heard. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Will we join him? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for sharing your heart with us. Thank you for sharing your mind with us. Thank you for calling us out of
our self-centered worlds and into the richness of your mission. Father, thank you for the priorities of the lonely that you're calling us to reach out to. The priorities of the vulnerable that you're calling us to stand in the gap for. The priorities of those suffering under any form of violence. And that we can be people of peace, carrying the prince of peace into those relationships. Father, as you turn our hearts toward you, turn our hearts toward the world that you want to heal. And show us each, individually and corporately as a church, who and where are we sent together to heal. Thank you for the call, for the gift of the Holy Spirit that sends us out from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To hear it again or other messages, please visit us at lakesidechurch.ca.